Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support, the new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL, we got a very special episode today. Bling, bling. Bling, bling edition, uh, <laughs> for sure. We're going to jump right into this. So um, this is something that is extremely uh, exciting episode for us. Yeah. Growing up, hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know that music played a major part in our, our development growing up. It really, it really shaped our lives. And um, if you listen to rap music specifically... You know that jury is a big part of rap music. Bling, bling. Yes, bling, bling. <laughs> bling, bling in a dictionary. Yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> That's, That's my word. Fact. That's my word, That's right? Yeah, yeah. That's a fact. So, um, you know, a lot of times we aspire to buy gold and buy diamonds and to buy chains, and that's just part of the culture. There's no way around it. That's just, it is what it is. Yeah. But like all things in life, it's a business. The jury business is a billion, probably trillion dollar industry, worldwide, global business, yeah, every continent, Definitely, it's crazy. So um, my man Dion Smith is a legend within his own right, because if you're, if you're from New York City, or if you've ever been in New York City, you've heard of the Diamond District. Can't miss it. The Diamond <laughs> District is, is, is crazy. It's like a two block radius in Midtown Manhattan, 
and everything on there is jury. Yeah. Like yeah. all of the all of the big boys is there. That's where everybody gets their chains from. That's where Jacob the jeweler yeah. shop. I don't know if it's still there, but that's where it was. That's um, where he started. He started, started there. there. Yeah. I mean, you can't miss it. The light post has two, two big, big diamonds, yeah, right? yeah. just in case you forgot where you're at. Yeah, and like and, and like Dion was telling me, like, like the Brink trucks pull up like three times a day. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's crazy, but it's it's real non-discreet though. Like if you don't really know, it's not as flashy as you would think it would yeah. be. It's right. very non. I mean. It's, you get robbed. Like, you, know <laughs> so you gotta kind of have a nondescript. Welcome but, uh, to New York City. It's a culture. It's a culture within itself. Yeah. It's um. But one thing, if you go there, you know that um, the people that are in control of it don't look like the people that's buying it. For the most part, no, not the hip hop. No, no, no. Right. no nah, they don't look like us at all. Um, but Dion is interesting because he has a jewelry manufacturing business. He's the only black. Jewelry manufacturing the diamonds in New York, period. That's correct. Um, so there's different levels of the jewelry game, right? Yeah. There's the retailers who's actually selling you jewelry. The one, that's what we buy from most of the time. Right, but right. then there's the manufacturers who's actually making jewelry. Mm -hmm. So he has his own manufacturing company. He employs over 20 people. Um, gross revenue over $5 million last year. It's a thriving business. Like I said, the only black company in the diamond district. 100% owned. 100% owned. Right. Um, and it's, it, it, his father is a part of it as well. Tell the backstory on that. So it's a good story. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for welcome, having welcome, me. Thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome, man. Welcome, appreciate it. Welcome to the green room. Yes, sir. So, and shout out to my man, Fernando, who, um, the legend. The yes, legend. Thank you, Fern. Thank you. <laughs> who, who, who referred this. So, Client. all right. <laughs> so can we talk, let's jump right into it. So you have a, a, a jewelry manufacturing company, right? Correct. But we got to tell a backstory before we even go into what jewelry manufacturing is. Uh, my family is from Belize. So basically they, uh, they migrated here, uh, Probably late seventies. So your first generation? Uh, correct, first generation. No, something about um, that. So yeah, m my dad actually he looking for work. Um, he just ended up he take he took a job in the diamond district basically, and his boss became his friend, became his mentor. Um, and and for me, again, I would after school. I mean, I technically grew up out there, so I grew up in a factory, but. It wasn't glamorous, you know. It wasn't something you were proud of at, at, at that time, as from my perception as a child. So what did what your dad do? Like, what was his? He was cleaning jewelry, like he cleaning, was cleaning like, jewelry. like bench polishing is what they call it. Mm -hmm. And um, but growing up in the Bronx, it was a, it was such a contrast. I mean, this is the '80s now, right? And I don't have to tell you what the '80s were. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, I don't yeah. have to tell you. <laughs> it's crazy. But that train ride, and I couldn't, you couldn't pull out a phone and hashtag and see what was going on. I mean, I could tell you what's going on in Nova Scotia right now. But back then, I mean, you, your world consisted of, as far as your eyes can see, two to five, two train, five Correct. train, six so train. So I only knew that the, the radius of, of my neighborhood. But that train ride to the Diamond District was fascinating because it's the first place I saw wealth. I saw, I saw, at that time it was like limousines. I mean, I saw, Money being spent and it intrigued me, and I saw diamonds. I mean, I'm a kid, but but it was interesting. But when I would go upstairs, it was it was not glamorous at all. It was hard work. It was you're working with metals. Yeah, working with metals. Um, it, it, it was everything in there had the the skeleton with the X on it. Every material <laughs> we need said caused cancer. I mean, it was it, it, it wasn't it wasn't glamorous. How old were you when you do this? Um, I was about. Maybe eleven when I started. Oh, when oh, I started, so you, you know. so how did that feel? Where it's like you're seeing 
two sides of the coin, right? You're seeing your father who immigrated to this country. Correct. And he's working, and I'm assuming he's not making a lot of money. No. But you go downstairs, and you're seeing some of the wealthiest people in America. Yeah. And, like... As well, you kid. have to understand, and then now, now if we fast forward a little bit to like the '90s, and I got, now I'm a teenager, so I'm, um, I'm there, you know, after school summers, you know, I've literally Jacob the jeweler was, he he was starting out right there, so I saw everyone like from Destiny Child when you know I've seen, I mean, there's nobody and Will Smith, I've, there's nobody I have not seen on this little block. And as a teen, I mean, right now it's normal to me. I mean, it's not yeah. a big deal, but but as a teenager. I was like, you know, I, it was fascinating. Bragging you know, to your friends about that. Right, yeah. <laughs> but again, it was, I, I was seeing the factory work part of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, did you ever see, did you ever think to yourself, like, this is crazy. Like, there's such a great contrast of like the haves and have nots. Because you're seeing Correct. it. Correct. I'm seeing you, it. Because yeah. a lot of times, one of the good things I like about living in New York is that you can you you're, you can expose yourself to anything. Like the other mm-hmm. day, I just randomly walked down Fifth Avenue, like the Upper West Side, all the way down, and it was just amazing to me. This like there's so many w- wealthy people right. in New York City across the street from poverty. Exactly, right. and it's yeah. like it's when really, I say wealthy, I say like net worth yeah. of fifty million, yeah. seventy, and you're in the supermarket with a hundred yeah. million. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like you could take a train and people are in public housing. Correct. But a lot of times, people never, you just stay in your element, yeah. so you don't even realize that there's such a big difference. You but don't realize Seeing it. that as a kid, did that make you want to say, I need to get on the so, other side so, of the table? So what I learned was, again, growing up in the Bronx, your mind is, again, there's no way to see what's going on outside. Right. Yeah. The nationalities were black, Puerto Rican, Dominican. That's it. That's all I, I grew up around. But the, the train ride would expose me to different cultures, the Jewish culture. The Indian culture, the Russian culture, and I was comfortable. I mean, I was I, I admired these other cultures because at the time they were different, and you know you would that that perception as as, as a black person in the jewelry industry, you, you know, you'll, you'll never survive. That's a false perception because as long as you're honest in in that business, I mean, you're going to thrive. They, they're going to help you. It, it they're going to work with you. It, it sounds like your train ride is what people go to college to get, right? Correct. Like people leave that bubble of their the community bubble, to right. go to their college. have co- to get out of your bubble. Go to, to college and get this experience of interacting with other coaches. Like you literally got that from riding I, the train. I got that. That's I, crazy. I got that. You know, and being upstairs. And, and again, you know, there's just this misconception that if the person doesn't look like you, you can't do business with them or they don't want to do business with you. But it's false. It's, and in that industry, I mean, I could speak for that industry. Um, I was embraced by by the other um, ethnicities that were there that were in total contrast to what I was at, you know, my neighborhood where I was growing up. It was two different worlds. But um, but yeah, I had I had the full support. I had the full support. You know, by the time I was in my twenties, I was trying to figure out can I do this. But I had spent so much time there. I realized that if I needed funding, mm-hmm. I can get that with a handshake. And I had already, I knew everybody because when I started out, I started out so young. So I started out from doing deliveries. So you would, yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what, when I you started, started working, doing, what age would you start working? Uh, about 11. I started going, I'm, again, with my dad, I was going to work <laughs> eight, 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 like eight, eight years old. Uh, I my early, I, child I mean, labor lawyer. Correct, right. He's a real <laughs> Allen boy. But, a real Allen boy. But by the time I was 11, <laughs> I'm already making runs. 
So I'm going like again. I'm not seeing only the the, the glamour that's downstairs on street level. I'm upstairs. I'm meeting people. I'm, you know. So the deliveries helped me. Then, of course, I did the actual labor. I had to learn that from like how to make jewelry, how yeah. to make it from you scratch, make it, polishing, I mean, yeah. setting. I, had, I did every step of that. I learned that. Um, but that could only get me so far. That could only get me a job with someone. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to think bigger. So. I noticed we had a problem. The phones kept ringing, so I started getting on the phones. Once I got on the phones, I knew the customers. Mm. I started having a relationship with the customers. Once you have customers, now I'm in position to start a business, but you have things like rent, you have things like Con Ed, you have employees that need to be paid. Um, that's a numbers game, and a lot of people do not know their numbers. You could have, a, it could look good, but you must know your numbers. Your numbers are changing hourly when you're running a business. So um, I realized that, okay, I have the customers. I know the vendors that I would need. The only thing was, was, was backing. I would need, I would need capital. Mm -hmm. And but I'm in my early 20s. I mean, you're not getting, again, to borrow for the jewelry business, that's all. I mean, anybody will tell you banks are not lending. To, the risk is just too high when you're dealing with, with precious metals and things like that. Um, what, are, what are some of the risks that the banks are looking at? Well, I mean, it's money laundering. <laughs> I mean, number one. I mean, that's number one. <laughs> that's what Jacob went to jail. Got, yeah, right. jail. It's, it's yeah, terrorism. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, you're not getting. But, but if you are a trustworthy person and you build your reputation, that's not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. If you keep, you could have all the money in the world, you're not going to get up tomorrow morning and open a jewelry manufacturing company. You're not because. There's too many ways to lose. I mean, the dirt on the floor is money, okay? So it's gold that mm -hmm. needs to be refined. Um, you lose your shirt on the, in the, in the dust that's on the floor is gold. People don't know that. So you would need to build up your reputation before, before embarking on that. And again, once I realized that um, my, the peers in the industry would trust me with capital, at that point, there was no stopping me. My decision was made at that so, point. So, all right. So, your early 20s, what, 23, something like that? Well, you know what? I would say about like 25. I'm just like, okay, so, what, am right. I, what am I going to do? So, at 25, you've been working in the, in the industry for 14 years. C correct. Pretty much learning. Every, yeah. Learning every capacity. So, like, I don't know. I've heard someone say this before, but it's everyone's overnight success takes about 15, 20 years. You go to college? Yes, I did. Okay. I went to BMCC. Okay. Yeah. So... You um, at twenty five, you decide. Okay, I need to. I need to actually have my own business, right? Correct. Correct. So you um, you can't get a a, a, a loan from no, a bank. No. You, that's not going to happen. No. So you have a mentor in the Diamond District that you said kind of was so your father's boss. Basically, my my father's boss turned into his friend and mentor, and turned into the same thing for me. So so um, he he taught he along with my father taught me the the craft of the business. So I knew how to how to produce. I knew how to produce. Um, but it came to a point when he no longer wanted, you know, he retired and whatever the case may be. So I had to make a decision is, am I going to carry this on or I'm going to do something else? His business? Correct. Okay. Correct. Well, basically, we branched out into two, two companies under the same umbrella, under the same roof. Um, the way that works is there's a part of the jewelry industry that's called casting. That's the lost wax process. That's where you see the, the pouring metals mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Then there's a part called finishing. So we opened up a finishing company, basically a room inside his 
inside of his uh, his his place where we would just finish what he casted. Mm. Okay, They're working hand in hand. So working hand in hand. Okay. Um, but by the but by the time you know he he came of age and says you know he was done. Now I had the company, but having the space, having the equipment, having even having the customers, you still need financing for for a business for a jewelry business. I mean, I mean, you you it's high end products. You you need funding. But once I was able to get again in that business, you're able to get loans on a handshake. One, they're very old fashioned. Whereas they look you in your eye, they feel you. And once I was able to get funding. And I was probably like 25, and one of the wealthiest people out there was able, basically had my back. So that gave me the motivation, and at that point, there was no turning back. So you were, originally you was under the, your mentor's umbrella. Correct. When did you break out of that? Um, 90s. Probably and 90s. Actually, my father named the company AJC because at that time, it was the phone book. So anything with an A, he wanted to be on the top or whatever this <laughs> may be. So I'll always keep that name. So that's not synonymous with anyone's name? Right, no, it just stands for All Jewelry Contract. Okay. And I explain, well, I'll explain later, but yeah. why it's a contracting company. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, so I took over maybe late 90s, 2000s, around that time. Very young, but again, at that point, I've already had so much experience, and I just knew everybody. Mm-hmm. I knew everybody at this point. At, so and at that time in the nineties, what ethnicity is in control of the Diamond District? Are we talking Russians, Jewish? All three. Um, I, the Jewish, the, the 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 allies that I had uh, were 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 Jewish people, which okay. which they, they're awesome. Um, and then again, but it, those are the three nationalities that I I dealt with. But they were vast contrast for what I was going home to in the Bronx. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, at that time, I'm yeah, not yeah. talking about the Bronx today. I'm talking about the Bronx eighties, nineties. You know, they weren't really role models out there. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, but I, I was able to have role models. And I used to, I was seeing people that were successful. So I, you know, I had things to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would go home and it was like the people to aspire to. I mean, we, we could go down that road. Yeah. But the people to aspire to, you know. They're they wearing the products that you, uh, that you make. <laughs> correct, 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 <laughs> correct. And I always say you need, again, I feel like you need to, once I could see it, I knew I knew I I could I could achieve it. I mean, I knew I could do it. So what were the steps? All right, so you got a loan, a loan or So what happens is I had the I had the customers at this point, okay? But and I knew how to do the craft, but I'm still one person. So I knew I needed I needed staff. And and so now I had the customers, I knew the vendors to get material. And at that point I didn't have didn't have any real money, but what is money? I mean, once I had once I had the allies, once I had the vendors, and they would extend me credit, all I had to do was work. At this point, you know, yeah. prom- you know, promote. Back then, it was harder to promote, of course, mm-hmm. but it was word of mouth and, and things of that nature. But that's pretty much that's yeah. what, what it was. That's why I made the decision to to move forward. And again, I grew up in it, so I love it. Like I always say, manufacturing to me is the process of creating something. From nothing. So where you? When did you open a spot that you're in now? Um, this spot we just we we moved to this location about two years ago, and then we were in another location. I had branched out and I opened uh, on 30th Street. We were there for like 20 years, um, but I decided to move back to the Diamond District just for proximity purposes 
of you know getting my materials and just there's just a flow. There's more workers out out there, and um, so. All right. So when you started out, what was the steps? What was the first steps that you had to take? You you got the backing financially, correct? But outside of that, like, what did you do to actually get up and running with your own shop? So basically, again, now it was customer pleasing. It's customer pleasing. Um, it's it's being competitive with pricing, and basically letting as of right now is just letting people know that I'm there because, other, like factories, they don't really promote because they don't really have to like the jeweler or the designer they promote themselves and they once they generate business they generate business and send it back to the factories so most of my competition they were kind of like lazy they just sat back and waited for it for it to come but as time goes on again you'll never see most of these factories they don't have a social media they're not gonna, and and for good reason because I always make this analogy, like if you get your car washed and they do a good job, you scream at the top of your lungs, go over there. They do a great job. If I do a good job for you, I become your best kept secret because you don't want your, and say if you were a jewelry designer, you don't want your competitors to know where you manufacture, mm. right? Because if you're a jewelry designer, your foundation is your manufacturer. So... I'll do a good job for you, but you will never, never promote. Because that keeps it custom. Correct. And then, so how do you promote? This is a very hard business to promote because how do you promote it? I make jewelry. Show me your jewelry. Show me your quality. I can't show it to you. Yeah, so you can't because even, it's not my design. Okay, right. That's not say, my design. You, you can't. It's even, like intellectual property. It's that person's design. Okay, right. So I'll mass produce it. But um, yeah, so so that's pretty much it. Now I can't come out with my own line. Because now I'm in direct competition with my customer. Right, right, right. So I can't have a jewelry line. Yeah. You know, it, it just it, it's a conflict of interest. And you can't even tell people who your customers are. I can't even tell you who my customers. So how so how do you promote? Right? <laughs> I can't tell you who I work for. Most of most people, like the high end and the, and the bigger brands that I do mass production for, yeah. I have to sign an NDA. You know, I have to sign because I'm their best kept secret. Basically, another analogy I like to make: if you go to a car dealership, the person that sold you the car did not make the car. You know, so mm. factories are not really promoted. How do you promote it? So what I started doing because I realized that we had to get visible in this new time. Every business, I believe, right now has to exist somewhere online. You have to, but everyone was like, "What are you going to promote? You have to stay quiet. You can't." You know, any customer I mention their name, I lose them. So, so how do you promote it? Um, so whatever, I got creative. I was like, look, I'm going to promote the service that I that I offer. It's a service. Yeah, and you know, it's a service. And I started promoting the process. And some of the stuff I would, I would post on social media, they're like, what does that have to do with jewelry? But it was enlightening. People got interested in it, wanted to know, you know, who was making their stuff and, and things like that. And a, a lot of designers started saying, hey, you could go ahead and uh, post my stuff. Some of them, yeah. you know. So but what, without their permission, I would never, never. What um, are some of that. the services? Are we talking like the molding? And so basically, if you, my company is like B2B. So it's business to business. Basically, you had an idea. Mm -hmm. You would submit like a drawing to me. Say, listen, um. I'm going to go into jewelry design space. I want to manufacture these pendants, these rings, these, you know, whatever, right? 
you would give me a drawing, we would do CAD design, I'd give you a wax model. That wax model is something in your hand, it's, off, it's out of the paper now, you would now just decide, okay, wow, I'd like this in silver, brass, uh, gold, anything you would want, so then I would cast it. Now, you need one right now, but let's say you promoted it and you needed, you needed 5,000, then I would mass produce it for you. Now, let's say you did handmade jewelry and you made jewelry for yourself, so you made one piece. Now, people like it, you get an order for five pieces, so you sit here and you make five pieces. People really like it, they order 5,000 pieces. You're not gonna sit here, so even if you can do it yourself, mm -hmm. you're not going to. So that's why it's a contracting company, because now you would contract the work out to me. So listen, this is my original piece, I need you to make me 5,000. Now, I have the manpower, the equipment, the machinery, the resources to produce on a large scale like that, and at that, and that, and that entail, would grow your company. So my my business also technically goes to entrepreneurs who have their own perspective, uh, own respective lines of their own. Mm -hmm. And then you know, like that, they order from me daily as they get orders. So the so the best way to really describe it is that you're the you're the back end. You're Correct. the actual manufacturer. Actual manufacturer. Where nobody sees that part nobody of the sees process. That part. Like you're actually making. The hot dogs that, Correct. that Nathan is selling. Correct. Correct. There so, it goes. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. I like that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because everybody, like, a lot of time when you talk about jewelry, you, you're just thinking about the storefront. Yeah. You're thinking the about the jewelry that actually store. is selling jewelry. Right. You got the perfect lighting. You got everything sparkling in front of you. It's not being made. But if you saw that, it, it's 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 not glamorous. You're, you're making the jewelry making to the sell jewelry. to the jewelry store. Correct. To sell to the designer that sells Selling. to the jewelry store. Right, right, right. 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 And so, you know, so that that that's basically what that is. Now, another thing is it's like, all right, so let me come and see. There's nothing to see there. Because, you know, I it's just nothing to see there. There's no showcase. There's no every jewelry is custom. Um, it, it could be mass produced, but every every piece of jewelry is the intellectual property of the designer. So it's basically the factory. Mm. Very hard to promote. Very hard to promote that, you know. But I'm again, I'm just shedding light to it, and um, a lot of people have been receptive. I mean, it's unbelievable. So it's unbelievable. So you you had the business, right? You started mm -hmm. it. You talked about equipment. What's the type of equipment that you need, like, and what is the cost? Because this sounds like <laughs> this could be really pricey. Really pricey. So you need ovens to make jewelry. No. <laughs> Now, unless you see someone with ovens from here to the ceiling, they're not making it there, right? So you need ovens to make jewelry. Just the Con Edison on having ovens burning all day um, could be five to $10,000 a month. That's your Con Ed bill. <laughs> That's right? an electric bill for anybody inside New York. It's an electric bill, right, yeah. 10 Gs a month. It could be. That's yeah. crazy. And yeah. how, like, how yeah, many now, would you need to run a type of- Oh, uh, one or two, but, but, but that, I mean, that's your first cost. That's um, crazy. You can't do everything yourself because you just you can't. You have two hands. I get an order for five thousand pieces. I can't do it myself. So you need employees. You need skilled craftsmen. A lot of people. There's not. That's a dying breed of skilled. Craft. A lot of people come from you know their countries with that skill. I try to find them you know and hire them because it's not everybody that has that skill, that craftsmanship to work on 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 jewelry. You know. All right. All right. So in the next segment, we're gonna we're gonna get into the jewelry industry as a whole and, and ask some questions that I, I'm I'm curious about, yeah. and uh, I'm sure that a lot of other people will be curious about as well. For sure.
All right. So, um, okay. So jury business is interesting. So you actually make, you make jury, but you was telling me off camera, it's a whole process to make jury, right? Like you have to go buy, like, let's say gold watch. You go buy gold, <coughs> right? Right. Then you have to like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you melt it down. Correct. And then you, you like sculpt it into whatever you want to make it into. Right. right. So there's a process called the lost wax process, right? This is how this, and also it's also called casting. All right, so now with this, to create a, a piece, um, you would go, you'd buy raw gold, 24 karat gold. You would then alloy it down. Where are you buying the gold? So I saw sold my metals right on 47th Street. Okay. Okay. Um, so you would buy the raw metal, you would uh, alloy it down, then you would melt it. That's why you need a melter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you would have, you need a wax. Um, you need a wax. If you, if you see some of the videos, you'll see like wax trees, and then we put a plaster over it. Right? This is like a it's a twenty four hour process. You put a plaster over it. That plaster hardens. The reason you need ovens is because now that wax holds the form that was inside those cylinders that you see that I post. The heat from the oven is about twelve hundred degrees. Right? That melts the wax and leaves the cavity. The wax had it leaves an empty cavity. So when you melt the metal, you go ahead and pour that into that cavity. Mm -hmm. So that gold was is now in a liquid form. You pour it in there, it hardens. Once you break the cast off, whatever was in that wax form, whatever was in that tree is now in gold. Mm -hmm. Okay? And at that point, then then it's then it's clipped off the tree and then it goes on a bench and it's polished and things like that. So again, you need motors, you mean you, you need you need equipment. I mean, you're not going to see this in a jewelry store because mm -hmm. they're not making jewelry there. They might have a little steamer or they might have a little polisher, but they're not casting jewelry there. Yeah. Mean, you need you, you need equipment. So after, after the, the polishing process, now it goes into the molders. They're like after the polishing process is pretty much done unless there's stone setting and things like that. Okay. Um and yeah. So but when it comes out, it's a raw 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 casting. It's it's raw metal. So you know it'll cut you. It's it's rough. It's so those wheels that you see the polishing, that's what gives it that refined finish. And and then that point is packaged in my customer's packaging mm -hmm. and then sent out. Okay. So, all right. So and you were saying that like the difference between like 14 carat, 24 carat is... So 24 carat is fine gold. That's 100% gold. Pure um, gold. That's pure gold. All right. Um, now, they're different. You have 22 carat, you have 18 carat, 14 carat, and 10 carat. Um, you know, for example, 75, uh, 18 carat is only 75% gold, the rest is alloy. 14 carat is 58.3% gold, the rest is alloy. So if you're wearing 14 carat, um, you you're wearing half gold, half alloy. Like Rolex doesn't even, there's no Rolex, no gold Rolex that's 14 carat. It's not considered, it's just not for their standard. Um, so does that make 14 carat strong, a stronger gold? Um, well, the more alloy, the alloy so makes stronger, it stronger. Right? Correct. Like if you wouldn't wear 24 carat because it would be bendable, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. The highest carat you would wear is 22 carat. And that's about like 96 percent gold. So, but um, and then 10 carat is 41.7 percent gold. So, you have to you know it's not simply throwing your chain on a scale and saying and looking at the price of what gold is trading on and saying oh this is what my chain is worth no because it's not full gold it's mm -hmm. a percentage of gold so yeah. nobody has fully gold anything no you wouldn't wear a 24 carat I mean, 22 carat is 
ninety I think it's like ninety six percent. So so that's that that's that's fully gold. Eighteen carat is res- that's respectable. You know, it's seventy five percent. It's seventy five percent. But but you know, when I was in the Bronx, everybody was like, "It better be 14 and 14." <laughs> but it, you know, 14 carat is half gold and half ounce. So when I somebody and we've seen people wearing you know the big kilo rope chains, right? right they right. put that on the scale. Right. You don't. The know, weight you don't, is not the weight. You the don't price. know the percentage of the gold. Ah. So you cannot look at the the market and say, "Okay, gold is 1500 an ounce," and they put it on a scale and it's 10 ounces, whatever. No, it's not 1,500 times 10. It's the percentage of gold times 10. How do you test gold? So if I'm buying gold, right, and somebody tells me this 20 carat, but it's really 20, it's only really, it's really 14 carat. I can't tell by looking at it. You can't, you, I mean, you, you, after all, you look at it a lot. I mean, you, your eye gets kind of trained to the color. Of what, you see it all day. But um, the old-fashioned way, you'll see them rub it on a, on a piece of, you know, it's just no, very man. primitive. But now there's, there's computers that'll just print out Full element, every element that comes. So every like, element. So this day and age, I mean, no one is gonna. You, so you like scan it? Yeah, they put it in a machine that scans it and gives a printout of all the elements, and then you'll know how much carrot carrot. Because a lot of time, you know, I, I would see people come to me and was like, you know, this is ten carat, but no, it's not. It's eight carat. Mm. You know, if if the person that's mixing the alloy has the control. You know, and and they doing that on purpose, right? So they can mark. I, it I don't want to say they're doing that on purpose. Nah, I mean back but, back in. But and, there's and, a human element, and he's talking about money. Yeah, back in high school, like you know, <laughs> a few of us used to go to Fordham Road. We won't say names, right? Right. Myself right. included, and right. we would get changed. And I'm like, yo, there's, there's no difference between mine and yours. He looks a little more shiny, right? But um, mine is 14 carat, man. Yours, what's yours? And right. it was like, we right. didn't know. You didn't know. We had and, no and, idea. And then here's the other. Here's the other thing. Gold is. It's, it's like synonymous with time, right? It's the time you bought it. Okay. We could have the same chain, same weight, but if you bought it in 2010 as opposed to 2020, it's the same chain, same weight, totally different price. Why is that? Because the, because the price of the gold fluctuates. Okay. By yeah. the day. Yeah. Well, By we, the day. We were so, so if you had, again, if you had a shoebox of cash, well, you know that that's spending even if you don't touch it. Mm-hmm. It's spending with time. Right. At least gold, gold now, gold. If it's charted, it usually goes up. Mm-hmm. So the chain you you bought for let's just throw a number five thousand dollars ten years ago, now that chain could be double. Inflation, really. Correct. The chain could be double, so now you could sell it for ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had five thousand in the shoebox ten years ago, it's still five thousand, but you can do less with five thousand. Back then, as you as opposed to today, gotcha. right? So, so that's why gold is is an investment. It is an investment. I mean, not diamonds per se. I mean, diamonds you you need, you need to find a customer for it. But gold, the the government buys gold, so yeah, so I mean, it is an investment. I mean, you could a lot of people look at it. If you're not educated, you say, "Wow, what a waste!" I mean, it's, in theory, it's not a waste of money. In theory, it's a commodity. Correct. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it does rise. Like you can you can buy gold as yeah, an investment. Right. As an investment, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting yeah. because you can, it's it's a, it's jewelry, but you can also use it as an investment as well. Like the Correct. price of gold, we were saying ten years ago was eleven hundred dollars. It peaked a few years. It peaked in like two thousand and eleven at nineteen hundred, yeah. and now it's fourteen hundred, a little yeah. more than fourteen seventy per ounce. I remember when it yeah. was two hundred an ounce. I remember when it went, when it went to three fifty. We were like, forget it. This something. This is this is outrageous. Yeah. We're gonna wait for it to drop. Then when it was nineteen hundred, 
we were like, wow, we would every three hundred and fifty dollars we spent was now going to be nineteen hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, so so again, when like, when you buy a chain or you buy a ring, yeah. there's labor in that. You'll never get your labor back. The, but the gold stands. Now, if that gold appreciates past the labor that you paid or the premium you paid on it, you, you've made, and now your option was to put that money in the bank. The best bet was to buy gold. But you said also with um, with like jewelry uh, stores or I think it was jewelry stores. You said um, they have three times markup, right? Well. Now, I, I don't, it depends on whoever, like some of my customers, okay. right, which will remain nameless, they uh, mark up about three times but what, that's, what, that's what I sell to them. That's kind of standard. That's kind of standard because you have to understand they have their own respective brands. They have their own rents to pay. They have their own marketing that they have to do. I mean, they would not do it if, they, if there's no profit margin. Right. So they get it from me. Then they package it. I mean, again, they spend the money on building their brand. Mm-hmm. And, and and brands are powerful. They have a following. It could be the exact same material, but you, people are loyal to a brand. So they're able to set their price and get it. So yeah. bright um, gold is $1,400 an ounce. I think it's about $1,488 an ounce. For 24K. For 24K, 24K. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like 1461 to be exact, but yeah. whatever. By the time this airs, yeah, exactly. it'll be a different. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> it might be 1500 So 1461 um, an ounce, right? Right. But let's say by the time you buy it, what are you buying? 1500 so, so what it's trading for, no one will get it for that exact Right, because they have to make a market. There's a premium. Um, now, again, possession. Gold could be that price, and this guy over here could have it. He could say, listen, I'm char- it's cheaper than what I'm charging but he doesn't have or he doesn't have the amount so who has it at the time of need can set the price it's usually 25 bucks above 25 50 bucks 20, 20, all right, 20 above, above above spot they call it spot is what it's trading at okay at, at uh, I believe it I think it's in the London fix closes about I don't know, 11 12 o'clock mm-hmm. but at 12 o'clock the price is set doesn't matter what you bought it for yesterday it doesn't yesterday is gone so now today that's what your gold costs. And, that, and that's per ounce or is that? Per ounce, per ounce yeah. Right. So okay. $50 I mean, per ounce. I mean, it's like there's 20 penny weight in an ounce. So you'll take the, whatever the price is divided by 20. So you can buy it by penny weight. Okay. So, all right. So, so then they mark it up. So then you buy it. But then people buy it from you. And then after you have to, you have to make a profit Correct. off of it. Then they, so what I'm getting at is that it is an investment. But for the average retailing person buying a gold watch, they're buying it at a tremendously higher price. Correct. Then, so it'll take Correct. time before. Correct. Even if gold goes up. So, so what I do, I, I would buy the materials. I would lay out, buy them. This is why you need funding because I, I would, you're buying gold. So you get a big order. You need more money. You know, you need. Mm-hmm. So, so I would, I would buy, and I'm also what I'm selling is the labor and the craftsmanship of what I, what we've done to it to to produce your vision or you know your jewelry, your art, whatever it is. So you know, so it's the labor that I'm I'm billing for mm-hmm. at, at that point. So what what what's the amount of funding that somebody starting would typically need? So again, you're gonna operate. I can speak only for New York. I mean, you're gonna operate in Manhattan, right. um, especially if you it's jewelry. You don't want to be in a corner somewhere. You know, you want to be in, in 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 the epicenter, right? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna need you're gonna need space to operate. You're gonna need brick and mortar. You're gonna need a place. This is, you could sell online, but you have to exist somewhere. Yeah. You know, 
Um, some landlords would want, you know, six months, you know, six months deposit. It's a business, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like an apartment. Six months, then you're going to have to sign a five, ten-year lease. So you're going to commit. You have to be committed to that. You're talking millions. In the jewelry business, yeah. yes. A million dollars really doesn't get, get you too far. It'll get you started. But again, you're going to constantly need allies in mm-hmm. that business. You're going to constantly need, you need vendors. Um, you, know, you need to, you need to uh, keep your rent. Keep, I just explained what Con, Con Ed could be. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so it's serious. I mean, it's not like a, you're not selling socks. Mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> you know, it's, nah, it's, this ain't it's, socks. This ain't socks. You know, yeah. so so it's easy to lose your shirt. Yeah. So you got to be focused. You got to watch your numbers. You got to have great relationships with your customers. And it's a small business. It's a yeah. small, the very small community. So everyone knows everyone. Um, so you make money on your reputation, yeah. but you can also borrow with a handshake. You know, there'll be you no know, forms. There'll be you no know, once once you're trusted. Um, and people believe in you. They they don't really lend to the business. They look at you, or you know, they're investing in you. They're investing in you. Yeah. So, so so yeah. But with a handshake, you can get the funding you need, and um, and you should be fine. How did how do you, so how is jewelry devalued? Because you said like once you start to like put diamonds in it, it kind of like devalues it, right? So every time you clean a piece of jewelry, it loses value. Clean it. Clean it. Now any what, any piece. Any piece. Why? Any time why, why you, because you take polish the, off of it? You, you're removing gold. You're removing a layer of gold. Uh, every time you clean. Every time you see it get shiny, that's a layer of gold gone. And that's dust on the floor. You know, oh, that's that, what you were saying before. The dust on the saying. floor is yeah, actually yeah. gold. In factories, there's refiners. You don't throw your garbage out regularly. Don't use refi- that. Refiners come and, and yeah. So <laughs> the dust on the floor is money. You know. So how, how much does it go down like per... But like a couple percentage points. It just depends on how many times it's cleaned. I mean, if you keep cleaning it o- over time, you're gonna lose. Again, what you're losing is fluctuating by the day as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. different value. So how are you supposed day. to clean your? Are you not supposed to clean jewelry? Not too much. No, you're not. Actually, if uh, Ro- I mean on 47th Street, you can clean a Rolex every day if you want. Rolex, they um, they uh, only will clean your watch three times in its lifespan. So they, you can't go to them. They document how much times they, because the value is weight as well. So yeah, no. You, you, every time you clean your jewelry, you lose value. So when we, we see you know these watch companies, Philippe Patek and Richard Mill, and we mm-hmm. see people putting diamonds in them, they're actually losing value from the watch. They're, the watch is losing value. Okay, because it's, it's not. Completely. It's been. Tech it, will not buy. It's done. You've drilled holes in it. Right, you've, right, you've right. Put aftermarket diamonds in it. That's it. It's done. But, but, they do have. Should I say street value? They have a street <laughs> value. They the consumers want it. There's people that say no. I want that, and I'm willing to pay for the labor. That you'll never get back that labor. So someone sat there and drilled holes and did it. You're not getting that labor back. The diamonds, you're not really. I mean, the bank doesn't buy your diamonds. So, but it's a preference. And if if you have a customer for it, then it's worth doing. Okay. So and the the diamonds once they're cut, are they losing value? Because I heard that when they're in the rarest form, that's when they're the most valuable. Well, I'm not a di- I'm not a diamond okay. dealer. I work closely with diamond dealers. Yeah. Um. But the diamonds will get damaged in, in trying to take them out. I mean, you're not going to really read. They're going to break when you try to take them out. So it's it's a custom piece. Mm-hmm. It's the consumer that says, I want that. Mm-hmm. 
So it's yours. I mean, it has a value, but but it's an aftermarket. You know, everything is aftermarket. You know. So if somebody um, a plain Jane, they call it a plain Jane is the best investment. <laughs> Shout out to Ferg. Plain Jane, <laughs> Jane Rolex. <laughs> that's it. That's the best. And that's the best investment. Plain Jane if you Rolex. plan on investing, I mean. You know, no, it's no a good place to park your money. All right, so all you rappers out there, <laughs> get your <laughs> plain Jane. Plain Jane. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, the difference between uh, white gold, rose gold, and yellow. Uh, gold. No, no difference in price. That's just an alloy that's creating the color. Gold is yellow. Okay, <sighs> I've been gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if somebody's just buying jewelry off the street, right? Because there's really no like rule book to say like it's all kind of whatever somebody wants to kind of. Value with that. It's yeah. subjective. It's kind of subjective. Subjective. How do like what do what, how does somebody know this is a good price to pay for this? Well, again, this person he's selling you a product that's that you don't know when he got it, so you can never know his profit, right? If mm -hmm. like we just said, mm -hmm. if he bought this chain, this chain could be worth ten thousand dollars right now. You can Google it. You can weigh it. It's worth ten thousand dollars right now today, but if it's something he had for the past two three years. And he paid six thousand for it. Well, he makes four thousand on it, and he could. He's, he's he held it for that amount of time. So, you know. So, but you'll never know. You don't know if he got it yesterday, and he's making two hundred bucks on you. You won't know. You just won't know. It's a time thing. You have to know. Like, look, the person that's in possession of it, that's giving me this product, is making on me. You just have to be comfortable with the price that you're paying in relation to what gold is going for, and what you know labor is going for at the time of purchase and be comfortable with that and again gold usually charts up with i mean inflation things don't mm -hmm. get cheaper they usually go up so whatever you buy now and whatever you spend in in a premium or someone's labor 10 years from now five years from i mean in a year from now it could be paid for yeah does it the covered you know does the retailer actually know um when the gold was made because I mean, is there like some type of certification that they get when it comes to their store, um, I don't. I can't speak for other manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Um, but with me, no. They they won't know. I mean, gold is timeless, right? It's here before us. It'll be probably be here after us. It's a, you know. Mm -hmm. But when it's made, um, some I believe some people would would give some sort of paperwork as to when it was made. But who who can really prove that? I don't. Mm. I don't know if that can be proven as to when something is mm -hmm. actually manufactured. No, no. So what about platinum? Platinum, I mean, there was, again, now when, when gold was like $200, precious platinum, metal. <laughs> precious metals, yeah. uh, platinum was like over $1,000. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. That's why everyone started wearing white gold, so it could look like platinum, <laughs> yeah. you know? We can't tell the difference. <laughs> but, but now platinum is cheaper than gold, so. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't check the numbers as of today, but, but platinum, Good platinum to know. is cheaper than gold. So nobody's really wearing platinum anymore? No, no. So your advice long-term is just gold? Gold. Gold's better than gold. Anything. Gold. Gold is better than cash. Gold all in, in my in, chain. In, in the shoe boxes, but only, you know, it's, it's gold is like frozen money. You know, mm. can it drop? Of course, yeah. it can drop. But so I mean, what, what really made platinum spike up? Because I remember everybody was wearing platinum. That was like the thing in like the 2000s. I'm, I'm not sure. The music, I, again, I don't, I don't know what was you know music. Got to be the music. I, I don't know what's going on in the world at the time. Sometimes you know they use platinum for for whatever ty other types of manufacturing. You know, piping, whatever. I don't know what yeah. was going yeah. on at the time. You said the reason, pretty much. Right. It was more expensive than gold, and people were trying to show that I can buy Correct. something that's Correct. more expensive. Correct. Well, I think it's less of it. It's a scarcity. I think 
If it's I'm a lot of it's world factors when you're yeah. talking about precious metals. Yeah, yeah. it's a, world it's like, factors. I did this, and then I, and then like you this. said, then the music, then it comes into demand. Once the demand is there, the yeah. value is, is going to go up. Right. You know, simply not buying platinum can make the um, not buying anything <laughs> make the value drop. Right. We're not we're not wearing it right now. You know, so it could be that. In, know, in other parts of the world, gold is still like very. Um, Sort after as far as like just to hold and like gold a, is a listen gold gold has always been the currency of kings. Mm. That's the bottom line. <laughs> That's a fact. That's the bottom line. <laughs> like even in India, like um when you get married, like they they give tons of gold. The family gives tons yeah. of gold and they hold it. Yeah. It's like treasure. Yeah, like home ritualizing. Home. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a store value of uh you know wealth that grows over the course of time. Like you said, I mean going back to forever. Yeah, gold yeah. has always been. I don't know if it was J P Morgan Chase. I think he said. He says, um, the only real money is gold. Everything else is credit. We could look that up. I'm sure yeah. that, you know. And money used to be not back. my quote. American dollar used to be backed by gold. Right. Right, right. But they took it off the gold standard. Yeah. You Mixing. know, Richard yeah, Mixing. they took it off yeah. the gold standard. But I mean, to me, that just means that we literally create money now. I mean, we, yeah. you know, it's not like, well, I can't uh, service your heater anymore because we don't have gold. You know, we create money. We print it. So, Every day. So that just means that... <laughs> It's not. It's not going to run out. Yeah. You just have to. But that means keep, the value keep, of it. Keep, um, keep providing value. Right. And the money will be there for you. I want to ask you. It's like, like money is a side effect of service and product, basically. If somebody like, you have to be licensed, obviously, probably. To do uh, it. no, no, you not in New York. Not in New York. Not in New York. Bonded. No, 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 not in New York. No, 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 no. Insurance. You need insurance. You need insurance. Um, there is licensing for um. Not not to hold the, the company, but um, there's certain manufacturing, like certain when you're working with certain toxins, you need you need certain certificates. Not not it's like a certificate basically. Okay. But um, but yeah. So yeah. What about like a retail? Somebody brought advised jury. They can get insurance on that jury, right? Correct. Correct. What's the best route for them to go to do that? Well, I mean. I, I don't, I don't promote any insurance company, yeah, but just you like, know, because I don't have the experience that I haven't, you know, I haven't heard any horror stories, yeah. but, but it, it's just like a car insurance. You're going to pay monthly. If nothing happens, well, your money is gone. Do you recommend people do that? It depends on the time. Yeah, if you have expensive, if you have a hundred thousand to a $500,000 worth of jewelry, get insurance. get insurance. Yeah. We've seen people, you know, lose get their jewelry insurance. on get insurance. yachts and on yeah, jet skis. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah, Oh, what I do now. Get so, yeah. insurance. But, we, we've heard yeah. rumors of rappers that Getting robbed. set their robbery up. Yeah, to get right. insurance money. Right, it could always it could always get sticky. <laughs> You're dealing with insurance, <laughs> a police, and then it's, it's, it's we don't not encourage like, that. You know, and then it's just like, <laughs> how do I know it's missing and it's not in your closet? You know, it, I don't know. I don't know. All right, all right. So in the, in the last segment, we're going to talk about um, scaling model, um, your business, and um, a few other different things. Cool. All right. So as far as um, the jury business, it's, it's interesting, especially in New York City with the diamond industry. Everybody is so close together. But every, you said it's kind of a community because everybody knows each other. Correct. So how does that work as far as competition? Because you're saying that like these so, guys help fund you, but they're all, you're also kind of their competition so as well. So I, 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 interesting, interesting. You know, we had moved the company a few, about 16 blocks off the Diamond District. And the numbers at one point plummeted. And I couldn't understand why because I was, I was saying, again, now I'm looking at it from, from a business standpoint. I love what I do, that but now it was about business and keeping my employees fed, keeping their families, keeping their checks coming home, and I have to, I have to figure that out. 
So I'm trying to figure out why. I, I move, we moved because of, there was like a lot of competition. But what I realized where I was, I had moved to Chelsea area. Mm. So when you think jewelry, you don't think Chelsea. Mm-mm. So I moved myself out of the, 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 the consumer traffic pattern, you know? And not only that, all the materials I needed to operate on a day-to-day basis came from there. So now I'm paying someone to travel up there, get material. So I'm losing time, you know? And that's, that's the commodity. Most valuable right. asset. Like, and in business, they say we broke even. I don't believe in breaking even because you lost time and you'll never get time back, mm. right? So, so I started realizing that. And then when I moved back there, it was almost, it was almost immediate, like within the same week, what happens is you get an overflow of work. You know, before I could say, all right, screen someone, hire someone, I could send the work upstairs, I could send the work around the corner to help me facilitate. So now I had like working hands. Mm -hmm. All the materials I need are right there. The skilled workers are like walking up and had a problem finding workers because they would not, they wouldn't venture off into, into, you know, say Chelsea where, where, where there's, where are you finding these skilled workers? Are they coming out of a spe- specific school, or is there some type of technician? It's something trade they come school? with from their from like their their, their countries. They they were, a lot of people that 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 do craftsmanship and stuff. Uh-huh. They started young, most people, and it's like their families and you know taught them and things like that. But being in this hub mm-hmm. actually actually made my numbers spike. Because everything I needed was right there. So what happens is instead of competing, we act, it might look, if you walk the street, you'll see guerrilla marketing. Hey, come in here, come in here. You know, <laughs> you feel uncomfortable. But when you go upstairs on a manufacturing standpoint, yeah. we're working together. So I'm able to produce faster, I'm, you know, faster, cheaper. And again, all my materials, everything I need is right there. You know, and I can only speak for the manufacturing sector. Now, I don't know what it'd be like to have a. I always said that this guy has a booth, this guy has a booth, this, and they all selling the same thing. I don't know about that, but from a manufacturing standpoint, having other manufacturers around me, uh, in, in, it um, it makes me stronger. It makes me stronger. You said one of the biggest pieces to your success is having the mentorship. Obviously, your dad had you know the the, the man that you guys he was working for. Right. He mentored you. Are you at the stage where you are ma- mentoring someone, or is it like a mentoring, like program within your business? Well, no, not at. The, and again, I've been a lot of people have emailed wanting to intern, wanting to just see what a a day. Actually, they, they did a report on me, like a day in the life of what I do, mm-hmm. which is flattering, which is flattering. But I, I still consider myself still still growing, mm-hmm. you know, still learning, still adapting, you know, to a con- you know that industry is. It's old fashioned, but it's changing. So mm-hmm. I'm still adapting, and um, and again, not my quote, but overnight success is like 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. You have to know your business inside out, and um, and you know that's that's definitely the next step as I continue. Again, I'm going to branch out into more like investing and things like that. So I, it'd be it'd be awesome to to show what I've learned, you know, to someone else. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because again, I. That's that was the key. It was mentorship. Looking at someone do something day in and day out, you know, watch the routines that they do, um, and routine builds character. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you know you stick with something, um, and basically mirroring them, mimicking them. You find someone successful and copy them. 
That's that's to me. To that's what I did, and that's yeah. the fastest way, fastest way to to climb a ladder. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Shadi said that. That was one of like his great analogies. It was like when we were in school, we're taught not to copy. Right. right in no. business, <laughs> you actually should. You should. Right. You should. I mean, be works. careful who you copy. Yeah. Be careful who you copy. You know, whatever you're around, that, that that's gonna rub off on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you could learn to be the best crook. I mean, whatever. <laughs> but but you 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 force yourself around people you know, that inspire you, you know, and you need to be inspired. I mean, you're not going to, to run an operation, to control a business, means you're dealing, you're dealing with a lot of people, you're dealing, again, being, being a, being a boss, being a, a, a leader of a company, I mean, you, you, you're wearing a lot of hats. Yes, it's all about the numbers, but those numbers are not going to come if the employees are not happy. Um, you need to sometimes be a therapist, to an employee, you got to be a referee, <laughs> you got to be, you know, a mediator, yeah. you know, you, you have 20, 30 people working under one roof, you know, you, and you're the leader, you have to be sympathetic, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to deem someone not good for the team, you have to, you have to let them go, I mean, it's a lot of uncomfortable conversations <laughs> as you rise in business. That's a fact. Uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Definitely, definitely. That's that's a fact. So, all right. So, if somebody is, um, they have a, a, a an idea to make a jewelry line, like EYL yeah. jewelry line, right? Okay. You're gonna you you can supply us, right? Absolutely. But first, we have to actually draw up the mock of like what we, draw. we want. Like you would this, have to create the logo. You would have to find, well, find. I mean, I don't know if it'd be you yourself. But get yeah. somebody find an yeah. artist to create the logo. Trademark it, correct. Next step, correct. And then once you, you, even before that, I mean, we could, again, we can play with different things. Can change, mm-hmm. you know, trademark something, and then you're like, no, I don't even like this anymore. So once you agree on on the on the design, which you'll be holding them in your hand, at different, you know, before before you get to the point of trademarking it. And um, but yeah, so you would give me the drawing, mm-hmm. I would give you the piece back. Okay. And all right, so and you said like, on average, if it's three times markup, so I buy it for you from thirty, I sell it for ninety. Correct. Correct. I mean, that's that's not a written rule. No, I'm just saying. Right. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. Industry. But that's exactly. reason, that's, reasonable. that's reasonable. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. Yeah. Why is that reasonable though? That seems like a pretty high markup. Well, because they have their overhead, they have to spend money to build the brand. The brand needs promotion. Um, they're gonna have. Again, it's 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 B two B, right? So I'm in theory, you guys would be you guys would be a business. I'm selling to a business. You guys have operating costs. You'll have employees. You, I mean, you need websites. You need I mean, okay. so so they yeah. have to. And if they and if they don't have capital, they can't promote the business. You know, they, you need capital to you need capital to operate. Even not even if you could promote online for free, you to operate. So if I wanted a custom piece of jewelry, it's cheaper to go to you directly. Correct. Correct. You much, skip much, light, much, uh, much cheaper. Much cheaper. How does somebody do that? So, well, again, you'd have to know. You'd have to. I'm making so I would myself. Have to, I, would have to, I would have to give it drawn up first. Correct. I can't go to you and say, "Can you make me a, a gold chain?" Now, I I do have someone there that can do drawings. Okay. And, and but it's better if you would just bring the idea, the, even if it's a rough sketch, mm-hmm. and then at that point, then we go into 3D modeling, CAD design. You'll see it on a computer. You approve it from a computer. Then you'll approve it in your hand with a wax. We can control the price point because the price will come from its weight. So in the CAD design, the computer will tell you what it's going to weigh. 
and we can make it lighter. We can make so we could control the price before it, we even put anything on the table. Mm. Um, the only upfront cost would be the CAD designing and the printing of waxes. Um, How much is that for? You want five hundred, a thousand bucks, and and you have a piece in your hand. You have a prototype. Um, you know, and we can start off with cheaper metals like yeah. brass. You know, once you wouldn't you wouldn't play with gold until you were until oh, you were positive okay. and things like that. So you you make the first one, let's just say it's the EYL pendant, and it's like Shadi gets one, I get one, and then if we put it out, then you mass produce. Then it as we well. mass produce it, so you'll get an order, and, and now again you'd have to hire. I mean, people people to you could do it yourselves to a certain extent, but then let's say someone says, listen, um, we want to gift this at an event. I mean, again, it would be brass. It's not going to be gold. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be a, a low ticket item, but but still, you just want your logo out there, you know, in metal form. Right, so, so at that point, yeah, we would we would mass produce it at that point. What can what, so what can you make? What you can make a watch? Watches? No, we don't no, make we don't watch. make watch. Watches are made by those brands. Okay. Whoever we don't know who makes it, you know. Yeah. But I guess you know Rolex, Patek, those are their so own like, brands. You make like rings and, and rings, pendants, bracelets, charms, earrings, um. Anyway, how, how, so there's a lot of talk about a pending recession. And I assume that that would have a drastic impact on the jewelry business because that's that's expendable. You don't need a jewelry, right? <laughs> right. So, but you you were you were around through the last recession, right? Two thousand eight. Yes. How, did, how, how yes. does how does economic downturn? Well, how does so, that affect so, you? So that's what happened. It made me change. First, we would only do silver and gold, but in a recession, it was like who, again, no one's buying. You're not buying precious metals. So that's when what we did was we got very creative. A lot of people got creative and we started manufacturing brass. Mm. So brass gives the look of gold. It's yellow. Um, but you could do big pieces. Like a lot of ladies wear like big cuffs and stuff like that. So we started manufacturing brass. So let's so now let's say um you would make uh, a thirty dollar uh cuff, a thirty dollar earring. But you do ten thousand of that. That's how you, you survive. And people can, in a recession, they can afford a thirty dollar earring. Yeah. You know, whereas opposed, they would a fifty thousand dollar chain, and you have enormous markups and things like that. So that's how we were. But you have to be creative. You so have that, to be that, creative. That that costume jewelry. Actually that costume jewelry is also saved. Saved you. Saved me. Costume jewelry is a huge market. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's expensive now. I mean, yeah. a, a, I'm saying I'm saying these numbers. For back then and, and things like that, but you go in the store and buy an eight hundred dollar, you know, brass pair of earrings, depending on whatever brand it is, and they demand that amount for it, and they get it. So it's it's not even cheap, silver, per se. silver, silver. So that that's how we we started selling lower ticket items by volume, and that's how I got through that. Dope. Good plan. That's dope. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta get creative, man. You Good gotta plan. stay above the water. That's dope. That's dope. So, all right. So, what's your as far as like if somebody wants to reach out to you, how can they find like because you're you're in an industry that's not really marketable for the most part. Right, right, right. Um, you're breaking the mold because you know obviously you're younger and probably you, you know you have a different whole vibe. Right. So, how can somebody like find you like as far as if, well, if at this day and age is social media. Social media is the best. Content. But it's always been word of mouth. It's mm -hmm. always been word of mouth. Um, right, again, because 
even a, say a jeweler or a designer, they're gonna hide me. They're not gonna. Right. They're gonna. Hide, they'll give me the business. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they won't say you know who who did the work. So That's if someone, let's say you were an entrepreneur or or you wanted to create your own line or you just wanted to get a good price on on something and skip the middleman, then you do a little bit of homework. You know, now you can hashtag uh, right, jewelry right. making, jewelry manufacturing, and then you know I would definitely pop up at that point. And again, my you can email me info at ajcjewelry.com, and we take it from there. And again, I'm definitely I'm I don't have much competition in in this industry where it comes to like social media and stuff like that because most of these companies they're not gonna they're not gonna promote so because they don't so, need to or. Well, be, because of all the, the what I just they, explained, yeah. promote what? Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm thinking in terms right. of like they probably have been their established customers, with clients. They have more established clients right. too, and their customers will continue to promote themselves. Exactly. And then the kickback is the work, you know. But again, for me, again, those those now those companies have been around for the grandfather's grandfather's grandfather. You know, they're a hundred year old. Most of those businesses, hundred year old businesses. You know, for me saying I've been doing this for 20, 25 years, I mean, that that, that pales in comparison. You know, I'm like you're first the, generation. You're the young like, boy you know, what's, in the what's, game. What's, exactly. what's, the, what's the clientele breakdown percentage-wise? Is it like 80% um, designers, 20% regular people that just want customers? 90% designers. Designer, designers. So 90% that's, designers. That's your client base. Correct. Designers. That's my designers, entrepreneurs, and even, even startups, like a lot of startup companies and, you know, but... Um, but now you know I'm starting to get calls from from people that are just trying to skip the middleman. Yeah. How, how many brands in the portfolio? Oh, it's a lot. It's it built. It's like twenty years of of brands. Hmm. So I, I don't have a number on that, but so over over maybe they're not ordering on an everyday basis, yeah, 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 but yeah. like over 50, 50 brands. Okay. And um, but yeah, now you have to understand there are some people that don't want to skip the middleman because. The jeweler that they trust and they've been going to for years, actually, they don't do. They'll the jeweler will do that back work, get the CAD design, get it, draw it, design it. Some people don't have time for that. They just want to see it a finished product, you know. But if you if you have a little bit more foresight and you want to do the designing because it is work, um, then you'd come to somebody like me and you'll save. So you can potentially save sixty percent by going to somebody like you. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, and depending on how uh, aggressive your your the person you're buying from is, maybe even more. I mean, like I said, these markups could be three times or more. You know, so you're coming to a manufacturer. You know, so if you go to you know Raymond Flanagan, they didn't. You know, they have a factory where that's made. It's like you skip them. You know, you skip the the, the brand. So. All right. So, um, nah, it was powerful, man. I appreciate you coming in. So, yeah, yeah. contact information, social media handles, all that information for uh Okay. So, people. yeah. So, basically, um, if you want to contact me, it's info at ajcjewelry.com. Um, the Instagram handle is ajcjewelry. That's pretty much it. That's yeah. how you would contact me on, on my business. It's wedding season, y'all. So, if y'all need <laughs> yes, the ring, hit them up. <laughs> <laughs> and also, but more importantly, um, aspiring entrepreneurs that want to become- Absolutely. Uh, Jewelry designers, Correct. you know get, that's you got you got to reach out to the source. You got to get it from somebody. So Correct. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Don't say we didn't we didn't tell you who. Exactly. <laughs> Troy, some housekeeping items. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. That's our proud to pay program. It is grown. We got a community on there, y'all. So I just want to give a shout out, huge shout out 
to our, some of our tier five members, Joseph and Markel. They have joined at tier five. So you know that now at tier five, you have access to EYL University, our online website where we have courses, live webinars, um, and you'll be able to live stream our workshop. So shout out to y'all and uh, Christian, who was a tier four member, and Janice, who was actually on EYL University when we did our webinar. Um, about getting in the podcasting game. She said, you know, she gave up her, her membership at the gym to come to EYL. So thank you for joining and keep supporting that. And uh, earnyourleisure.com, our merch is up there. We are wearing our winter season merch. It is cold in New York. So we have on um, our sweatshirts. Shadi has the hoodie on. I have the crew neck. Um, and we added some more things on there. Our earners shirt is coming. Uh, so shout out to everybody that's supporting. You know, the earners are our community of supporters. They... Uh, they, they, they find our, our guests, our alumni, and they support, man. So be ready. Awesome. <laughs> and also EYL University is something that we're extremely excited about. Um, that is really, really dope interactive platform where, you know, we bring, we have three classes a week right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt teaches a class every Monday on real estate investing. And then Wednesday is a floating class, depending on different topic from a different invest um, instructor every single week. Um, we have everything from life insurance to mobile home, to, I mean, well, to notary. Mm-hmm. Probably won't have mobile homes, too. <laughs> um, and law, wills, yeah, trust, credit, credit car leasing. We got it all. No, we got awesome. it all. Um, awesome. And then me and Troy teach the class every Friday. We may move that to Thursday. Yeah, we're going to push it up. Maybe. But um, And that's also on a variety of different topics. So the good thing about the EYU University is that it's interactive. So it's on Zoom, so you can actually ask questions and get them answered. It's dope. And it's, dope. It's, a whole, it's a whole interactive vibe. So... Yes, that is that. And um, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.